Welcome everyone to Good Night and Good Game, your source for geek news for the week that was. I'm your host, James, and with me as always is my wonderful co-host, Hector. Hello. This week on the show, it's going to be a news-centric episode. Hector has to leave for a work trip tomorrow, which is when we normally record, so we wanted to get a little something recorded before we left. Um, And it turns out there was a lot of news to talk about this week. So that's what we're going to do. Before we start, don't forget you can head over to goodnight.gg, where as a patron of our show, you can suggest topics for us to talk about. We're still recording our horror film breakdowns and should have them up for all of our patrons soon. I also want to thank everyone who's been listening over the last couple episodes, uh, the episodes specifically that we did about role playing. Um, We got some really amazing feedback, and I just want to thank everybody who tuned in for that. Yeah, very, very cool. And with all of that out of the way, it is time for the prelude. Prelude. Hey everyone, welcome to the Prelude. It's time to dive into what we've been up to this week, what we've been playing, what we've been watching, what's been occupying our free time, and what has been making us happy. Hector, what do you got for me this week? Oh man, so a um, couple three things. Uh, I things. recently started playing for the first time mm-hmm. Red Dead Redemption Two. That seems like a lot of work. Yeah, it's um like I think I was about three hours in when I realized that I was still in the tutorial. It does a really Jesus. good job. For those of you in a radio land, I nearly spit out my drink when you said that. <laughs> yeah, it does a really good job of making you feel like you're just playing the game. Yeah, but it's just still teaching you shit about like all. All of the different things you can do like this is feels less like a GTA, but in the West game mm-hmm. and a lot more like a fucking frontier, like just 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 pre-modern uh, Western simulator. OK, like full on simulator, you know, the joke about the horse's balls contracting in the in, in the, right, in the right, right. That, that's. A joke, and it's a meme, but it's also a level of detail in mm-hmm. literally everything. Mm-hmm. Every gun you have, you can inspect. You can take guns off of other people and store yours away. Sometimes they need cleaning, and you can clean them, and it's all expertly animated. Wow. You can skin animals. You can go hunting. You can rob stores without it being any kind of mission. You can rob mm-hmm. trains without it being any kind of mission. You can just do things, and you can go off on your own, and you can explore and you can just work your way through this very interesting, heartfelt saga, like lonesome dove levels of epic saga of like Western frontier life and the people who tried to survive out there. Oh. It has been very, very cool. Mm-hmm. And um, it's going to be a slow roll for me. I don't think I'll play it all the time. I right. certainly won't binge it. I need to like just live in this world and living in it and like not when I'm not. Yeah. Okay. Because um, that, that's a lot of game. It's so much game. Yeah. yeah. And I've barely scratched the surface. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's it's nice mm-hmm. being out there in the beautifully rendered world. You know, now that, you know, I have a video card that can just eat it for breakfast. Right. It's, it's gorgeous. Like, it almost looks like a modern game. And it came out in 2018. Mm, okay. Very good. Um, the second thing, I have watched all of the show from Apple TV called Severance. Okay, tell me about this show. Severance, the premise of this show is that um, uh, the, the premise of the show is that people go to work and with the aid of a special implant, their work memories, as soon as they enter the area of work, are segmented and cut off from the rest of their lives memory. Oh, interesting. They don't know what they do in there. Mm -hmm. And the them in there does not remember who they are outside. 
Oh, weird. They just know they're there to work. Right. So basically, you're cutting off a piece of your consciousness and segmenting it inside of your work office. Mm-hmm. And and that's where it lives. When it leaves, it, it 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 just sees itself coming back. It doesn't know it went home. It doesn't know it slept. It it it, it they you just just know about work. Oh, weird. Yeah. Okay. And the show is about what that is. What kind of people would really volunteer for something like that? Mm-hmm. And why the company would even want that. Like everything is, it's one of those shows where it's, it's only nine episodes and they're not even an hour long each. Mm -hmm. And the show is so much about trying to figure out what the fuck is happening. And the show barely giving you any information. It is. Is it still rewarding, even though it's not giving you that information? Yes. Yes. It, it, in in a very, very profound way. The show is like, like an, it's it's too many metaphors. It's it's a, a gift you keep unwrapping. It's an onion that you keep peeling. There are just layers yeah. and layers and layers, and things keep getting wilder and wilder. And like like because you don't even know what they actually do for a living mm-hmm. is the thing they the what they actually do at their desks all day is so vague. But they do have quotas and they do have you know like goals at work and it, it's all just this weird corporate life that has to sustain an entire human consciousness you know interesting um it's a very very cool show and i can't recommend it enough it's an easy short watch if you can watch it do some of the best tv i saw all year long um and i can't wait for the next season okay what else um, you do? Last thing I started playing, which is on Game Pass right now, High on Life. This is the um, Squanch Games title mm-hmm. from uh, Justin Roiland and team at all mm-hmm. who uh, like to make funny things. And they made a first person shooter where the gun talks to you because it's an alien and it uh, has other alien friends it wants to rescue that are also other guns. So, mm-hmm. you you know, your 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 planet was invaded by aliens um the earth your planet earth right. where you live as a human um who you just wake up in your house and play video games and then earth <laughs> is invaded and you see an alien die and you pick up a little talking gun and it tells you what to do now and then your entire house is captured because your planet is well and truly doomed mm-hmm. because the aliens who invaded are going to use humans for drugs Oh, okay. Yeah, we're drugs to them. Yeah, that's that, that's <laughs> right. we are being harvested, not mm-hmm. not not colonized or right, right. or, or warred upon. Yeah, we're we're going to be used to be snorted at some point. Pretty much that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and that's you know the plot of the game. You escape, and then you you know try and make contact with other people that the gun knows mm-hmm. to go out into the world and earn some money and maybe get back to earth. If you get the chance, right. maybe not. I don't know. You have this sister and you run into this alien bounty hunter who seems very washed up, mm-hmm. but really wants to live in your house. So he agrees to help you. Okay. Yeah. Because your house is and the dirt under it are the only thing that went to this new planet you escaped to mm-hmm. randomly. And there's, there's even like a crossing guard who keeps putting tickets on your house because you can't have parked it there. <laughs> like it's it, the whole thing. Like it's nonstop jokes. It's actually a pretty decent shooter yeah. for what it's worth. And um, I'm having a lot of fun so far. Very Thanks. fun. High on life. All right. Uh, I mostly did stuff for the show this week. If you're watching our broadcast live, I've been messing around with some new tools to uh, get us live in more locations, do more exciting things for the show. Um, so that's going on. And that's took up a lot of my time this week. I had the interview uh, that we got posted earlier uh, 
late, late last week, early this week that we got up, uh, that we did. Um, so yeah, show stuff all around. Uh, but, uh, the one thing that we did do this week that we did together, which we did last night is we both watched the new Hellraiser movie. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. New Hellraiser. New Hellraiser was, um, very cool. As someone who has only seen the original Hellraiser, mm-hmm. none of the sequels, and there are what, like seven of those, eight a of those? Lot. Yes. There's a bunch of them. And I have seen all of them. I, I want your opinion first, because yeah. I, I'm the Hellraiser person here. Yeah, so as someone who, like, you know, I went in without, like, knowing who all the Cenobites were, knowing, you know, any of the lore at all, except, like, there's this box, and it's about, like, pleasure and pain, and there are these demons of, like, pure angel things of, like, pure pain, and mm-hmm. they, uh... You know, want you to join them because they think your mortal life is dull and they want to set you free. They're rescuing you guys, <laughs> um, you know, and we get this new one with a whole new twist, which is the box itself demands blood from people. And, and that's who gets taken. And it becomes a scaling thing. Right. You know, that the box keeps, to, keeps transforming until it actually calls the God down and the God will grant you a boon. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to pick from a buffet of items. Right. Um, overall, I thought it was a lot of fun. The acting was very good, even though I knew literally none of the actors on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, the practical effects were fucking phenomenal. All of the costuming was fantastic. The Cenobites looked amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the architecture in the, the, there's a big like house thing going on in this movie without mm-hmm. too many spoilers. And it has like switches it's and they're very, like in um, rooms. 13 ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely that. So yeah, I liked it a lot. There, there was very little not to like, you know, a, a little, you know, horror movie logic here and there, but nothing bad. Like yeah. I enjoyed myself the whole time. Mm-hmm. Good movie. So my my opinion about Hellraiser, having seen all of the movies, um, I was a little bit nervous going in. Not that I, I didn't go in thinking it was going to be bad. Honestly, there's only been like one Hellraiser movie of all of them that I've watched and gone like that was genuinely a bad film. Um, I can I can I'm a Hellraiser fan in that I love Hellraiser. And so whenever I get to see more Hellraiser, I just want to see more Hellraiser. Yep. Um, and that's what I did is I went in and I went in with an open mind. The first thing that struck me as weird was I'm just so used to the, the way the lament configuration or the puzzle box looks that seeing it in a new form took me back for a second. Um, but I was like new movie, new logic. Let's, let's work through this. Right. Clyde Barker was involved in this one too. Yeah. The, the new um, one seems a little more handheld, yeah, a little more compact, a little more compact. Um, and it, it has multiple forms. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was interesting. I think that the, so in the original series, when we talk about the, the puzzle box, the puzzle box was something that was handled by people who genuinely wanted to like have their dark desires met. Right. They were usually pretty horrible people. Um, so whenever the box would open, like they had it coming most of the time. They had it coming. Like, um, and so it was kind of that situation. But in this one, the box has rules and you have to like sacrifice people to the box. Right. And so... I don't know how well those rules will work in the long term if it ever gets another sequel, mm-hmm. because you would be seeing the, literally the exact same thing over and over again. It's like, oh, we got to kill six people to do a thing. Like, yeah. can is this sustainable the way that the original Puzzle Box was? Uh, but for what it's worth, it's a very entertaining movie. If you even have a passing interest in Hellraiser, it's very enjoyable. There was enough references to like phrases and things that you were like, you know, point of the screen moments. Right. Yeah. But not enough that like the movie was reliant on them. Like they really let the new Cenobites take center stage where they could really, um, 
shine as individuals. Yeah, um, the new Cenobites were, they were all characters. Like, I couldn't mm-hmm. tell you their names, but I could describe them each to you in pretty, pretty substantial detail. Yeah, and so and it's it based more around the idea of this eldritch creature, the Leviathan, uh, which is a big deal in Hellraiser lore, um, but is only really touched on mostly in Hellraiser 2. Uh, but the comics, the, the Leviathan comes up a lot because that's the creature that owns this dimension that we call hell, but it really it is outside human perception of what heaven or hell is, mm-hmm. right? There are rules that apply to that. So if you have any kind of interest in Hellraiser and you were thinking about checking out the new one, it is not a wasted two hours. Yeah. It was a very enjoyable two hours. The gore was there. The, the gore, they worked up to it. It started very subtly. It yeah. It was, it was, you know, a little stab, you know, some blood here or there. And then it, yeah, it went up to 11. Yeah. And that was absolutely fantastic. I, I like that kind of reservation in a horror because at the very beginning, like when the first, like, kill happens uh, very minor spoiler it happens in the first like five minutes um it happens off screen it does yeah the camera specifically cuts away from it and just lets you imagine hear. what's happening yeah they just yeah. let you hear what's happening in the background and i was like that's so powerful that's such a, yeah. a, a way to do it good stuff yeah so that's everything that we've got for the prelude this week we're gonna take a small break and when we come back we'll be going into our main and only segment in the weekly raid <laughs> The Weekly Raid. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. It's time for the Weekly Raid, your news roundup of this week's geek news. Kicking things off this week, IDW Comics has announced a four-issue miniseries based around the 1980s Dungeons & Dragons cartoon. It's being developed as a, quote, lost episode of the cartoon. This was a TV show that aired from 1983 to 1985, where a group of teenagers um, that were in high school get onto a roller coaster and end up in the world of D&D if you've never heard of this. Yeah, that, that sounds awesome. No, I don't I think this might have been a little before my time. Yeah, it's, it's before my time technically. Like I have I have vague recollections of this thing even existing. Um what I do want to point out that, that I find fascinating about this is that this is a franchise that I don't know if a lot of people wanted to go back to. I don't know if it was that popular for them to do it, but mm-hmm. IDW does weird one-off stuff and that's kind of what they're doing here. Yeah. Um so with this Dungeons and Dragons comic, what I want to give you a recommendation is there is another comic we've talked about previously on this show called Die. Oh yeah, Die. Die is great. Die is written by people who watched this cartoon growing up and went, man, wouldn't those kids get like really fucked up if they actually had to go to like a D&D world? Like wouldn't they mentally break? Oh uh, yeah. And they wrote essentially what is what you could consider fan fiction of its same premise. Like Four kids get teleported into a realm and they basically live a D&D life. And it's about how like they end up coming back. The story picks up like years after they came back and all of them are like mentally damaged. And Ooh. so like, they have PTSD, like fucked up shits happened. And then something that kicks off the comic is then be- them being brought into the back to the world. Mm. Um, so it's it's an indie it's an indie title. Pick it up. If you have any interest in this kind of story, die is a high recommend from us. Um, let's see. Oh, next up, Amazon has given a series order for an adaptation of Santa Monica Studios' God of War. Uh, There's been no casting announced, but it is going to be based around the 2018 games where Kratos is in Midgar. Okay. You've got to have feelings about this. Oh, yeah. Huge feelings. Um, so I feel like Christopher Judge is definitely Kratos, but at the same time, like they have to paint him white. Right. <laughs> Like, I, I don't know if he's down for that. Right. But I mean, maybe he is. I mean, it's a it's a really, really excellent role mm-hmm. that he's already very familiar with. I can't imagine them doing it with many other people right. or anyone, really. Like he's he's the he's the first choice that comes to mind. Right. You know, I can't think of anyone else playing Tony Stark either. Right. 
Same shit. Um, How do you feel about this choice for it to be based on the 2018 game versus going back to the past with the previous games? Yeah, so the previous games, I will say, mechanically have aged like fine wine. They're, you know, like like Ninja Gaiden, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's these are where our mechanics come from. Yeah, there's a lot of 2018 that has its DNA still rooted in the original games and how they felt to play, yeah. which is a really neat trick considering the perspective shift. Mm-hmm. That being said. The original God of War trilogy thematically and based on its material has aged very, very poorly. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a game with a, 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 a sex mini game in the first, like, I don't know, three minutes right. of it. Um, yeah, there's a lot of mistreatment of women, a lot of titties where titties aren't really asked for or appropriate. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to do a whole Greek thing and trying to be very adult um, with the presentation back in the day and back then it was like the edgier, the better and video games were trying to prove something. Mm. And so this sort of thing was seen as we're, where adu- video we're, we're games an adult going. game because we put titties in it. Exactly. Right. We, this we, is not moved, for your kids. We've moved past that. As yeah. A society. And, and now it's like the, the, what makes God of War now 2018 and recently Ragnarok, a truly adult game is them giving you this like hard hitting HBO level drama. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in your video games and making it a fun game to play. That's what makes it a game for adults, you yeah. know, and that's that's the good part now. So I have to say the choice to do it in Midgar is just a place that's the story is just going to be better. Yeah. They wouldn't have much to work with in a Greek setting and they would have to try and wink at the, you know, nerds who wanted it to be like the game without giving them what they wanted. Because if you made God of War, you know, the the Greek, the original trilogy, it would basically be Spartacus from Stars. That is true. And also just go watch Spartacus because it's really good. Just watch Spartacus. That show's fucking amazing. Yeah. I will say, I mean, by putting it where they're putting it with a 2018 game and Amazon's going to throw money at this project. They're not going to cheat. Oh, they have to. Yeah. Um, I do feel like. We will still see that past Kratos. Like we will have flashbacks. We will learn that story. Oh yeah. But, but doing it in this fashion allows them to, um, take the good parts, the good story parts. Right. Yes. Uh, and then trim all the bad stuff out that we don't really want to deal with. Right. Right. And let's not forget that like the the God of war one through three are basically, um, I spit on your grave or if anyone is an aficionado here, uh, faster, which is a movie starring Dwayne, the rock Johnson, where he just kills people for like 45, 50 minutes of this hour and 10 minute movie. Right. It's, and just a guy just murdering, 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 mm. just on his way to the top of his revenge tower. Mm. Um, John Wick would have been a better metaphor, but he's not John Wick. He's Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Right. He, that definitely know, feels more apt. Yeah. He's not, you know, he, he's not like scooting around and like being like sneaky and knowing all the best way to kill people. No, he's just grabbing people by their heads, ripping their heads off and mm. fighting other people with said head. <laughs> yeah. That, that's that's Kratos. It's just it, it, so that's the first three games probably wouldn't make great television whereas a father and son dynamic and a back and forth and you know interesting writing i can't wait to see who they get to and how they do mimir because that's really difficult and they'll be really sad if they leave right. him out. yeah he's such a vital character and he is yeah. but is he really gonna hang off kratos's ass for like a whole series mm, true, like, true. like it's interesting you know yeah it's understandable. 25 films this week were added to the Library of Congress National Film Registry. From Hairspray to Iron Man and Carrie. Their Ooh. induction means they are added for film preservation efforts and that these films are deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Very cool. 
Yeah, I mean, Iron Man definitely belongs in there. If mm. Yeah, I mean, how are you going to tell kids 14 Marvel movies from now? Mm. You know, like, this is where it all started. You know, five years before you were born, here's Iron Man. And mm. they'll be like, oh, yeah, this this makes sense. I mean, when you see, when you talk about those the parameters for getting inducted, things that are culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant, like, these movies fall into that, right? Like oh, Iron absolutely. Man is so vastly culturally significant to where we are now. Oh, yeah. Whether or not you like Marvel movies, you cannot, you know, take away from the fact they make the money that they do. They are an ingrained part of our lives. Like they have, they've changed the way that people view filmmaking in some ways, right? Yeah, absolutely. And they've brought, you know, they've brought whole groups of people closer together. I mean, there are people who never would have spoken, but because these movies are so popular, now have a thing they can talk about, you right. know? Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. And I have been able to talk to like some of my uncles who have kids who we have nothing in common. Right. But you know that they have kids and they've seen all the same movies that I have. And they're like, oh yeah, fuck it. Fucking A. Yeah. And uh, the big one for me is Carrie, right? Anytime a horror movie gets entered in, but Carrie is such a a classic and for it to get the recognition that it's so much does Carrie is a movie that does really does deserve so much when it comes to the cinematography of Carrie, right? Yeah. The, just the acting in Carrie, it's a gorgeous, horrific film. Mm-hmm. And for it to enter the library of Congress, national film registry is such an important thing for representation of horror oh, yeah. being respected in my opinion. Yeah. And there's, there's the visual aspect to it. The visuals in that movie are, are so, so good. And so, you know, representative of what, you know, the director and what the, 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 the character is going through. It's yeah, that movie absolutely deserves to be in there. Writer directors Scott Beck and Ryan Woods, who worked on A Quiet Place together, are back with producer Sam Raimi for a film starring Adam Driver called 65. In this film, Driver's character goes back in time with a laser gun and has to fight off dinosaurs while protecting his surrogate daughter, who's being played by Ariana Greenblatt, the actress who played young Gamora in Infinity War. There is a trailer available right now for this. Tell me you have feelings about this. I mean, I'm fucking in. Are you kidding me? Like what? Like uh, Every word of yeah. that when I was writing it that in the just script. Kept getting better like the more you were talking. Yeah, like I'm, I was writing the script for all of this and I'm like, am I actually putting these words down in the correct order? Go back in time with laser gun. Yeah. Protect Adam pers- Driver. Adam Driver. Fucking, yeah. Fucking with Sam Raimi producing. He's not directing, but he's producing. Yeah, him. but he's producing. But with the the writers and directors of A Quiet Place. Yeah. Which is a gorgeously shot movie. Absolutely. It was a movie that really understood the medium it was working in and how to make it effective for the story they were telling. Right. Because when you talk about A Quiet Pla- Place on paper, you're like, how is a movie going to be entertaining when like you can't have sound? Right. Right. You just, you're just like, that's that, that guttural reaction. And so they had to find a way to make the the noise interesting. And the noise is so like, if you understand nothing about this movie, it's the importance of any kind of noise in it. Yeah. And everything's so heightened. And the the directors understood that because anytime you would hear something and you knew you weren't supposed to hear it, it made you jump a little bit. You're like, Oh Mm -hmm. no, like something like the car, the toy truck just made a noise. Fuck. Like yeah. think about how quickly we learn to be nervous about just sound, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm super excited about this. All right, Hector, I'm ready to talk about this one. Mike Flanagan of Haunting of Hill House fame has been tapped to start working on a Dark Tower project for Amazon. The Dark Tower has been Flanagan's holy grail, as he puts it. The pilot's already been written, and to do the series justice, Flanagan would have to do five total seasons of a show and two films to end it with. 
Flanagan has previously worked on other Stephen King adaptations, such as Gerald's Game and Dr. Sleep. Okay. So let's talk about this. Um, let's see. I was once given a seven disc incomplete seven disc audio CD set of the dark tower series. Mm -hmm. Um, I went on a long, long road trip. That's why it was given to me. Uh, I remember bits and pieces, but I got through the whole thing. Wow. Um, I've read a lot of King books and I think I've maybe done the gunslinger. Like that might be it. Yeah. And so like, it's, I like, it's so weird because all the adaptations I've seen have like slotted into my vague memories of this road trip from 15 years ago where mm-hmm. I like had this story read to me in, in, a, in a beautiful voice. Mm-hmm. Um, like the movie was, was awful, but, 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 but so it, the movie that came out like last year. Yeah. Wait, last year. Or was it to what was it a couple of years ago? I don't uh, the, remember. The one with McConaughey and Andrew Selva. Yeah, that, that was several years ago. Oh God. Time has no meaning. It's, yeah. like, it's just a construct. Yeah. That was pre COVID. Oh God. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So, so that movie was atrocious, but it, but it, but it hit some of the, so some of the points. Mm. And I mean, if Flanagan wants to really do this thing out, I say like, I can't think of anyone better to do it mm. at the same time. This shit is cursed. That is true. It this is, is Hamlet. Case. This is Don Quixote. This is uh, Pacific Rim Two. You know, this is. Uh, <laughs> oh no! Yeah, this like this is so so cursed. Um, it, it, like this project, it, it will destroy you unless you have the hubris to just fucking go through it. And uh, I would only, say just like, there's a lot of fortitude involved. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, and like attention to detail and everything else. This is a project on this scale. Like, and it's, it's not like a Lord of the Rings trilogy, but it's at least like a whole Lord of the Rings movie. You know, mm-hmm. this is a massive scale project that, right. that you really need to go all the way into. So, I mean, I wish them the absolute best of luck. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he even said, if it is said, just a little good, I'm okay with, with watching all of it. He said, this is his Holy grail. Like he is going into this with fucking intent. Well, the, the, that thing about the hit that, that is like, it's not, he, he didn't say it's his white whale. He said, it's his Holy grail, mm. which like, like, like you, you really want to fucking murder that whale. Like that's been your whole <laughs> life. The Holy grail is like, Oh, there's a cup in the desert. That's, I might get some people together and go get that someday. <laughs> Uh, oh, you want me to get it now? Get, I, I guess this is my holy grail. Here we go. <laughs> Pants hitched up. Like, yeah. This. If, it, I've learned, it, if I've learned nothing from playing Persona, it's that if you go after the holy grail, it will try and kill you. Yeah, yeah. Th- this seems like the type of thing where, like, he always had in the back of his mind, like, God, I would fucking love to do that. And then someone put it in front of him and he was like, fuck. Okay. Okay, I'm not throwing away my shot, but like, mm-hmm. but like, uh, <laughs> Like yeah. how much money, yeah. <laughs> like, like not yeah. just for me, how much money do I get to play with? Cause it's mm. going to be fucking expensive. It's very true. But yeah. I feel like with it being Amazon and Amazon's yeah. trying so hard to compete in that space right oh, now. Yeah. I mean, the, the Lord there. of the Rings show alone was yeah. like massive and very good and very expensive. Yeah. I've been meaning to get around to watching that. I weirdly fell off watching fucking game of Thrones. I just for whatever reason. Yeah. But I think both of those shows airing at the same time made me watch neither for a long yeah, time. I think that that's what it was. Something that's something along those lines, but yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for this project, especially because like I said, I haven't really gotten through the dark tower series. I've read so much King, but like it's daunting, man. Yeah. Like, like is you're just like, here's like Stephen King's like fucking magnum opus. And you're like, 
how do I even begin to tackle that? Yeah, this is every time someone's like, oh, you should read this Brandon Sanderson book. And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't I don't have 14 years to get through that <laughs> series of books. That, yeah, I have other shit I'm doing. Yeah. American Gods actress uh, Yeti B. Uh, Bidaki is working with Payback Entertainment on a new project that will be a, both a TV series and a comic book. It is called Nadja Vamp, and it is about, quote, a Nigerian vampire's hunger for eternal love beyond the flesh. It is described as an irreverent love letter to all of those who have ever felt othered, wrapped in a blood-sucking coming-of-age self-discovery romp, end quote. This quote, or, sorry, this project is close to her heart as she is a self-proclaimed geek and wants to celebrate her Nigerian heritage. Uh, the comic is actually set to launch next summer. But this sounds fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, honestly, as it give me any kind of like vampires as people story. And I'm usually into it. There's a reason besides all the breasts that I really love True Blood. <laughs> um, and it was, whether you're honest about these things. Yeah, but besides all the breasts, which is what we were, what most of us were. Some of us for. were watching it for the vampires. Actors. Yeah, well, yeah, there were vampires in it, you know, <laughs> in the background somewhere. But but I love vampires as people stories. I love that they're not, you know, when, when they're really just. Dealing with not not so much the dregs of their immortality, but their like survival day to day. Mm -hmm. And also once they get a hang of that, how do they spend their time? Mm -hmm. And I love that they're taking this and making it culturally significant to a something I'm not familiar with, because I always love the chance to like like find out about cultures I don't know about. But also like if it could have been anywhere and I would have been like, yeah, like how does someone from there figure out what to do with their vampirism? You know, it's cool. That's when I was reading the articles about this. I was just like, I don't know what a Nigerian vampire story would look like. And I'm I'm so fast. Fascinated by this. This sounds amazing. Netflix Games has announced that as of today, as of us recording the show, both Kentucky Route Zero and 12 Minutes have been added to their growing uh, collection titles. Those are both available on the Netflix mobile app. So as long as you have a Netflix subscription, you can play both of them. And if you've never played either of them, both of these titles are amazing and worth your time. Yeah, 100%. 12 Minutes, I loved Boy, that ending. Yeah, the ending was um, a, a way that they ended that. Mm, that yeah. was a way that that ended. Mm-hmm. But, mm. but it was not. Yep. Wasn't expecting that. Wasn't expecting that. Nope. Not from a video game. Mm-hmm. No. It was and a little you, bit like the Spanish Inquisition that Yeah, way. that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Um, I haven't finished Kentucky Route Zero. I'm on the last chapter of Kentucky Route Zero. But I'm it is halfway through. It is one of the most beautiful games I've ever played. It is haunting. It is gorgeous it is was so worth your time yeah and and, and I, if you want to play kentucky route zero my suggestion to you is to kind of do what i was doing which was like taking a chapter or an act at night because there's yeah. only five so just like it only takes a, a few hours to play through an act and just like put it down after that don't binge it um and really let yourself like be immersed in the world soak it in and really take in uh, everything that kentucky route zero has to offer yeah it's very cool yeah and sometimes there's just a floor full of bears yeah, there's sometimes just a floor full of bears. Yeah, they're they're, they're nice bears. <laughs> they are very nice bears. Yeah. I did appreciate that. Uh, let's see here. 300 QA testers for ZeniMax Studios will be voting soon to unionize. Fuck yeah. ZeniMax is the parent company for uh, Bethesda, and they are officially under the Microsoft umbrella. These QA testers work in four different locations, including Austin, Texas. Microsoft signed a labor neutrality agreement in June, which allows workers to, quote, freely and fairly make a choice about union representation. 
The head of the Communications Workers of America said, quote, other video game and tech companies have made a conscious choice to attack, undermine, and demoralize their own employees when they join together to form a union. Yeah. Microsoft has made a different choice, which other companies would be wise to emulate for the good of corporate culture, their workers, and their customers. I mean, this is good stuff. I really hope it's true. I really hope it's, you know, that above board. I right. hope it uh, goes well. And as, as much as... Um, the FTC is holding up the deal for now. I, I, I really hope that the deal goes through with Activision Blizzard mm -hmm. because like if they can get under this umbrella, I, I think some real change can be made. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's a good thing. It, it, it's so nice to be able to talk about a news item like this because for so many weeks, for the last couple of years, everything we've had to talk about when it came to unionization was always these workers want to unionize. They are in horrible conditions. They are going to have union busting efforts hoisted upon them. Yep. Um, we hear that we heard the, the, the stories of the people who worked at Blizzard and didn't even make enough money to eat at the own, at the cafeteria that they worked at. Yeah. And lived in their cars and right. shit like that. Because you're lucky if you worked for Blizzard. Right. Right. <laughs> it's just, they don't, it doesn't feel lucky when you read that story. Right. And so the fact that these unions are starting to pop up, that people are, you know, fighting for the right to work in the space that they want to work. Cause that's the most important thing, right? Don't you dare fucking say, well, if you don't like it, just quit because that's not how any of this fucking works. Exactly. These are people doing a job that they love and they care about. And they want to be treated fairly as human beings for what they do. Yeah. And also never again in this country until we have universal health care. Are you ever allowed to tell anyone just quit? Right. Like, like you know, that, that's your lifeline. Like your job is your lifeline. And they made it that way for a reason. Mm -hmm. Until we live in a world where you can quit your job and not become poverty, which is basically a death sentence or a jail sentence, depending on how long you're homeless. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. Just stop telling people to just quit. Mm -hmm. How about we demand more from our employers? Absolutely. We're almost wrapped up. We've got a couple more items to talk about here. Uh, let's see here. So, yeah. Oh, oh let's go back to uh, talking about Activision Blizzard for a second. Yeah. Uh, QA testers at Activision Blizzard have called to an, uh, for an end to what they call bug quotas for their performance improvement plans. Basically, at Activision, how many bugs you report um, as a QA tester has an effect on your performance reviews. So these bug requirements, by the way, are exclusive to Activision. Uh, Blizzard Studios do not have this requirement. Mm -hmm. So this isn't an across the board thing. Uh, according to an open letter that was posted about this, these requirements, quote, have done serious harm to employees' mental health. I believe that. I mean, that's, think about that. Like you are a QA tester. Your performance is judged based on how many bugs you submit for being fixed and yet you probably work for a company that believes that they constantly release bug free titles or yeah. builds or there's a there's a juxtaposition here that angers me in a way. Well, yeah, because well, yeah, not only do they, like their games definitely not ship bug free, but at the same time, like. If you run out of problems, that becomes a penalty, like, like it right. doesn't make any sense. Right. It, it seems you know, retributive rather than reformative, right. you know, it's, it, it, it's a dumb way to look for, for, for mistakes. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I, I don't understand. And, and I hope people who do this job can unionize into bad matter working conditions. Absolutely. Because yeah, I mean, these are the reason why people are fucking unionizing. Exactly. Because they get, you know, damned if you do. And if you don't, you know, at right. the same time, if you do both, you're damned both ways. Mm-hmm. 
it's frustrating, but it's so glad, like I said, to hear that these unions are starting to pop up and that people are demanding to be taken care of because they deserve to be taken care of. These game developers work so hard to make the things that we love. And the fact that they are not being taken care of is what gets us so angry every week because they just fucking deserve to be treated like human beings. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's the, the, the bar is low. Yeah. It's the, it's the barest you can do. I mean, we just had two great games come out and win a bunch of awards for like game of the year and director of the year and best narrative and all that stuff. And we know those, all of the studios that we watch the games for, everyone except for Supergiant, we know that they experience some kind of crunch towards the end of their dev cycle. Right. And that needs to end. Right. We need to release games when they're done and not work our artists to death or our programmers to death or mm-hmm. even their managers to death. Just let them work normal hours. Mm-hmm. Release the game when it's done. Exactly. After the huge announcement last week that the FromSoft title Armored Core is coming back after more than a decade, by the way, there was rampant speculation online that Armored Core 6 would follow in the footsteps of the wildly successful Elden Ring and boast an open world, leading some people, myself included, to worry about the future of the franchise. The president of From Software cleared the air this week, assuring longtime fans that Armored Core is going to retain its mission structure and its deep mech customization. Love that. Yeah. I mean, you can make the game a bit of a, you know, from software game mm. with all kinds of customization, because what else is a from software game? Other than customization. No. Other than customization. And it's cool that it's going to retain its mission structure because that, that makes a lot of sense. And this is coming from someone who's never played an armored core game. Yeah. Like never, not once. I think the last one that came out, came out for the PlayStation three. So yeah, I mean, yeah, and I'm honestly glad that like a met game, it doesn't seem like open world is the best choice for that. It really isn't. And, and like I said, uh, because there's so much customization in Armored Core, the idea behind the mission structure that they had in place in the first place was, you know, you would be given your um, briefing. Mm-hmm. You would see about what the terrain is like, what the possible like objectives are, possible like enemy size, the things of that nature. And then you would go into your mech bay, customize your mech from there and then use and then take that on your mission based on the, the information you were given previously yeah. to go to an open structure such as um Elden Ring would take away from that level of mech customization because you want to be prepared for every situation, every scenario. And the mechs in Armored Core need to be like built in such a way that, you know, you don't take a mech that would be better, like a submersible mech into a desert situation, right? Right. So I'm glad that they really cleared the air on that because there were a lot of big names out there like on YouTube and stuff um, who do cover from soft titles. And they were like, let me tell you how Armored Core is going to be like a Souls game. And I was like, please, God, don't let it Mm. because that is just not what the heart of the series is. And to try and move in that direction. I mean, they'll definitely take lessons from what they've learned from those games. Oh, for sure. like, Like Sekiro specifically, they'll probably pull a lot from in those things. But to say that we want to go in the Souls-like direction for Armored Core, just, oh, God, it hurt my heart to hear it. And that's why I didn't want to talk about it until we had more information, because Armored Core is just a game that needs to have the kind of structure that it does. Yeah. And let's not forget that Miyazaki does not really talk to the press much at all. No, he so it So uh, him coming out to be like, hey, guys, no, 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 it's, it, it's fine. It's not, it's not what you're thinking was, was actually very cool of him, yeah. especially because the rumors are that this game is pretty much done and has been for a little while. Yeah. And... I guess the release window is like early next year mm-hmm. or something. Yep. So yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. 
to see what new franchise, and even though it's an old franchise from software can bring me, because yeah. Yeah, and if you've never played an Armored Core game before, this is probably going to be the one for you. This is going to be my first one. I, yeah. I'm not going to not play it. Yeah. I'm going to play the shit out of it, And most for likely. us longtime fans, we're just super happy to see it back. We thought that with the Souls series becoming as popular as it was, we'd never see another Armored Core game again. Yeah. And as somebody who loves mech games in every way, shape, and form, to not have a mech game in that series for so long was just like, oh no, another another mech game is going out to the pasture yeah. to die. Yeah, there's so many mech games just like they basically just, go away. They just go away and it sucks. All right, we're about to wrap this show up. But before we wrap things up, PlayStation's year-end wrap-up has launched where you can see your stats for games you played this year. Alongside your stats, PlayStation has a handful of other facts that you can take a look at. One of them being that the adorable cat Stray where you can play as a cat. According to the PlayStation wrap-up, players have made the cat meow over one billion times. As somebody who played Stray from start to finish, I can at least confirm that at least one million of those meows were because of me. Yeah, no, I gotta say, like, like a billion is big. It is yeah, like, like, if I, like, I don't think this game sold a hundred million copies. But this is, and, this and is, if it did, it, like, like everyone would have had to press it like a thousand times or something. Like, yeah, like what I don't the know fuck? math. Like, I don't yeah. know how to math, but still, it's a lot of buttons. Yeah. But I mean, the moment like the, the prompt goes up, like press X or whatever to meow. I'm just like, I'm just going to I'm yeah. just going to do this. You just, you just keep meowing. You just fucking yeah. meow all day long. No, I love it. I love it. And that's not even including the PC version. Yeah, that's the, the greatest part, right? Yeah. We don't even know what those metrics look like. Oh, but like, man. Yeah. How many steam meows have we had? Oh, right. man. Oh, God, probably even more. Yeah. <laughs> it was such a great game. And if you haven't played Stray, it's a very easy play. Um, it gets a bit sad in the end. Um, it gets a little sad. Just bring a tissue box for when you play it. But yeah. It is adorable and it is fun and it's definitely worth your time. And it was one of the standout games of the year for me personally. Um, and that's everything we have for the show this week. Don't forget that you can head over to goodnight.gg to become a patron of our show. Um, you can head over to facebook.com slash gnggcast where you can chat with us as well as talk to me directly uh, on Twitter at gnggcast. And thank you for joining us. Until next time, for Hector, this is James. And for James, this is Hector. Everyone, good night. And good game.